0: Welcome to the fatty Z Musky podcast. I'm Andy. Um, I'm, I'm all by myself. We got uh, Vance on speakerphone along with Todd on speakerphone and we also have Eric Larson from Rubber Harry Tackle. He's our special guest this week. Um, just a crazy turn of events. Vance not in the front of the ranger so you know yeah he's, he's in the front seat of his truck actually. Todd just kicked him out of camp. Yep. I had to delete the podcast because there's all this swearing, and I think there were some punches thrown. Um, but um, anyways, this podcast, no, it was, everything's all right, if you guys actually believe me. Fatty Z Musky Products, check us out, Musky Fat-A-Z-Musky products on Facebook, and on Instagram. Vance keeps that up to date. My Facebook page is not very up to date. Um, I did update the website, though, of colors I have in stock on, on baits, so I did that Saturday or Sunday, so, yeah, not that big a deal. Todd, do you want to hit your plugs?
1: Yeah, we have Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, com. That's the website. Uh Got my boat inspected today, so chargers start in the morning, bright and early. So uh got a few days open still for... I'll just give some dates out here because I did. I've been booking some trips from what we've been talking about. and I threw some dates out there and they, they fill. As of right now, June 29 and 30, and then July 1, 15, 26, and 27. That's all I have available next two months. Uh, but you can jump in and fish advance In the tiller. You get, in the tiller. So, you know, he, he's taking some of the stuff that, uh, that, that we can't fit in. Seasons rolling, fish and biting. It's been hot. I, I did know, you know, this was Memorial Day weekend that uh, season opened. I had visitors in, so I did not really, I did some scouting stuff like that. But you know, we did we did some fishing. But uh,
0: we'll touch on that later.
1: We'll, we'll be ready to go tomorrow. Um, and then Saint Croix Rod—that's our rod. that's our, that's
0: guide, our guys. Yeah, guide staffed. Check them out. Best on Earth. And uh, Eric, special guest this week. What are your plugs? Where can people find you? What do you do?
2: Um, you can find me on Facebook under Eric Larson, or you can find me on Facebook under Rubber Harry Tackle. And you can also go to our website, www.rubberhairytackle.com.
0: Nice. Now, you also... Um, well, let, let, let's hit the fishing report, then we'll then we'll dive right into the uh, the, the nitty gritty there. Todd Vance, you guys got anything with your scouting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll let i Vance go. I fished at Vance on Saturday. You know, Saturday, as long as I could take it, it, it was hot, muddy. Oh, It was horrible. Uh, we got we got on the water pretty early. We fished from about seven until eleven thirty noon. that's really all we could say. It was the first time I really was like, I wanna take a break from fishing because this was just such awful conditions. Uh, it was a bright and beautiful day. It was nice if you were out there on a pleasure boat tubing and whatnot, but I absolutely hate that weather. I'm as red as a lobster right now. Uh, it was just it was just way way too hot for me. Uh but it, it was it was it was a nice day. I mean, we saw dogs. we saw some fish and we saw some areas that we wanted to uh that was a big thing that, that, that we want to do. I mean, when the season comes in, the at lake's eighteen miles long. So we, we don't spend much time. A lot of times I can go in and we make a little short trip, and like, Okay, that's looking good or this is not looking good. Not really trying to catch something, just I feel like I every, every every fishing trip we when we go out, we, we end up like, okay, we know the fish are over here, but let's go explore somewhere else. It's exactly, yeah. We, yeah. You know, that's what, that, that's what we do. We just try to see where the next spot's going to be. You know, we, and uh, you know, and there's we sometimes we have some really good days, days yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there, a lot. There's some days, someone, we, yeah. some days we fish for hours and say, well, you ready? Let's go catch couple and then you go to the spot <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, okay H- but, how uh, did the boat run Vance
1: the boat uh the boat's running well I, we broke the uh yeah the jack plate you know it it's working I I, I picked up performance and handling I picked up in miles per hour um and, you know, I, I love the thing. I was pretty, pretty happy with it. You know, I made a couple adjustments to it, raising and lowering the motor, uh, for Andy. He explained how to do that, all that stuff for me. Thank God for that. Um, and, you know, I had it basically what we did was we, we put the motor as it was laying on the transom and just basically backed it up six inches per, and then, uh, from there, I've made like two adjustments to raise it up an inch, and then I raise it up another inch, um, and, you know, I, I'm hitting like exactly where I want to be with, you know, two people in the boat. I, you know, I have, I have three people in the boat, including myself, um, and my yeah. weren't weren't exactly where I want to be, so I have to do some tinkering there. I think I can raise it up another inch, but
0: so it's I'm getting there
1: it. I, I love the fish uh,
0: better than buying a prop
1: better than buying a prop and you know about a third of the price so I was proud of
2: the sea out there with that decision
0: nice money ahead
2: nice.
0: now Vance <laughs> you, did you get any fish in the past week?
1: oh yeah I mean yeah, that day was me and Todd went on. I mean we we talked throughout the married area and uh, you know, we got we got one we got one fish. You know, we, it is what it is. But um, you know the next day I took some guys out and um, we had a nice nice day cast you know, I wanted to let it hit up the spots and uh, you know, that we, we, we saw a lot of fish. There's a lot of opportunities sometimes when those people, you know, when you're going over casting and whatnot. It just it takes a while for them to get down with the, the cadence of, you know. Each law is different, but you know when you start from, you know, at the beginning of the day, they're, they're pretty much terrible at casting. By the end of the day, they're just <laughs> better and better and better and better each time. So. You know the the cast starts from like eight foot, and then you know they get it, it, it. You know basically they're, they're just dropping the leader in the water, and then you know they finally get consistent throughout the day and comfortable just with that that motion of casting and whatnot. So they they were getting opportunities at the end of the day, uh, you know, and then finally like concentrating enough to see the fish that were following. Uh, you know, so so they by the by the end of the day they were. They were really fishing and, you know, trying really well. We, so we, we ended up having a five-fish a day. It probably could have been about, like, 10 or 12. or the, You know, there's a lot of opportunities there. Moors were coming out of the water too early. They weren't really working look positive with and, uh, so that, 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 that the lords to the both sides and whatnot. But we, we did good. We got a couple, you know, mid, couple mid-40s um, and, you know, so, you know, a couple of upper, upper 30s and whatnot. So, I mean, I was, I was, I was really happy with, with that day. It was, it was a nice day. Um, again, really, really hot. That's not my favorite. Uh, I got even more red that day. And, um, you know, I, 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 was, I was happy with it. it. There's a lot of boats on the water. It was Memorial Day weekend. I think that we might have had, like, a five-mile-an-hour wind, but at points we had, like, waves that were the size of Lake Erie. I'm talking, like, ocean boats that are just burning gas them. I, I saw them take, like, a quarter-mile turn as fast as they could. Like, you know, giant houseboats just kicking up, like, four-foot waves, coming in threes to you. It, 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 at this point, it's pretty intense. But I loved it. I had a great day there. And
0: today
1: there's no one up, so. Yeah. Yeah. Avoid the weekends. Avoid the holidays.
0: Because everyone's (laughs) working.
1: Yeah, everybody has to work.
0: So, Eric, we we were discussing before the, uh, before we started the show. Tell us, tell us about, you know, how your season's been and catch us up on on, on your fishing. Because you also do the, the, the guiding.
2: Yeah. our. Our season um, is actually split up into almost two seasons. We have two different openers, and our state kind of split in half. Um, we've got a southern opener that's the first Saturday of May, and then we've got a northern opener for the second half of the state that opens the first Saturday closest to Memorial Day weekend, which was the 28th this year. And it seems like the last two years – May is kind of a tough month if we have a, a cold winter or a long winter and we don't have much of a spring. Um, some of our fish seem to like to spawn into the mm-hmm. middle of May, and by the time they recuperate, it's the end of May. So you can have a tough May or you can have a good May, depending on the weather. And our May was tough in the beginning, starting out, and now we've got some 85-degree weather, um, some good conditions, and it's like it jump-started a few lakes around here. I actually just just had a, a client come in from Saskatchewan, Canada. They flew in on the uh, middle of last week. They hired me for four days, and we got an opportunity. I, I spend about 80 to 90% of my time out on the Bay of Green Bay, which is known for big fish. And I said to them, let's go out there, Let's try for some big fish on Saturday with the opener. We can get them up in, you know, foot, two feet of water as they're recovering from spawning. And after that, um, we can get away from some of the crowds that got some spots out there that I don't think anybody really knows about. We ended up doing some scouting this year at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning with spotlights and trimming up the motor and just, just driving around looking for fish and looking for wheat beds and structures, which I think has helped the last two weeks. And a couple of these lakes, I also hit um, a few inland lakes. I I believe I'm the only one guiding for muskie on the Winnebago system, which is kind of a a new and -and up-and-coming system that's been stocked since 2001. And I've got some smaller action lakes that if the wind's blowing on these big bodies of water, And clients still want to fish. We can go to a smaller lake, have the opportunity to fish. And uh, one of the clients with me, uh, Jasmine, um, she just turned 21. She's never really been muskie fishing, wanted to catch her first muskie. And she tried hard and tried hard on Saturday, didn't get nothing. And then uh, Sunday, we started to get some fish going and it took her three days of casting, seeing fish, to finally connect, and she actually did really well. She had a three-fish day today for never never catching a muskie before, and her biggest fish was a 45-incher today. So we were able to to move some fish, but I guess the highlight of it would be the last three days we put nine fish in the boat. We had three three three-fish days. In a row, and I guess that's kind of unheard of for um, casting. And we've also moved a lot of fish. I, I was keeping track earlier, and with having so much action, um, I would say we've probably had over forty follows, and we've probably lost at least ten fish. And you know, in with that catching the nine fish, so it's been really hot. We've got a pretty good bite dialed in right now.
0: Now, do you think that? All those fish, the 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 you know the, the, the sightings and, and the catching, was a direct result of your scouting? You, you going the extra mile at night to, to spotlight them?
2: You know, I did that last year, and uh, we hit some of those lakes up in some of those areas up in July when I didn't have any guide trips, and I was able to grab a couple of these at 8 o'clock at night, and on a Friday night, I said, hey, let's go fishing. You know, I don't guide today or tomorrow, and Let's go see what happens. And we hit some of these spots up after dark, and uh, we got some pretty impressive fish off of it. And I think what helps is that, and a little bit of working with the DNR, um, checking the fight nets in the spring, doing shocking with them, kind of seeing what's in the system, Um, you know, a little bit of that has helped. But I think the weather we've had recently, it's really kick-started the fishery over here.
0: Okay, so... It's it's more or less just, you know, because I have some friends that I'm not going to name names. They probably don't know who they are. They probably don't even listen. That, just kind of like, where where do we go? And I, I have I have many friends that ask, where would you go right now? I don't get to fish that much. That just want to be pointed. Where would you go right now? And not try to learn it. And 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 you know, I I, I want to think that this is a a prime example of doing things that um you go the extra mile that may you know you might be blind fishing just going out there and and, and poking around but like you know that that spotlighting and you said you worked with the you know the department of uh whatever natural resources or or whatever that the agency's called in in wisconsin but it's it's doing those other things that to me i think that it's easily overlooked in that you know I, i i will pay attention where you know the the game the, the fish commission in Pennsylvania sets their trap nets to try to catch the muskies in the spring, and sure, I mean like Todd Todd says it best. They're still fishing. You know I, I saw a report today that uh, I don't know Todd Vance. Did you see it where they uh, they you know they trap net tuning Arthur and they had another lake, and and they're putting out this grim report on 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 Arthur and the other lake, but tuning is showing a lot of promise. But, Todd, you said it best when you're like, they're fishing too. Yeah.
1: I, I, I talked to the guys here at, uh, at, at Chautauqua, and he's like, we'll put a net out, and we will catch a muskie for, you know, two or three different nettings, and then all of a sudden they pull one, and there's, you know, in the spring there's four 40-pound females in there, and there's 12 other females and a male. You know, and the, so they, they are fishing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, the you know, things change. I know that, you know, you they do put them in the spawning areas to do whatever, but yeah. Yep, they, yeah. They, they tell you that's flat out. There's just sometimes, we, some, some nights we don't catch them, and the next night we catch a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, we have that same scenario here on one body of water, which is kind of new. The DNR wants to find out the movements of the fish see where they're spawning so they can put nets in and collect eggs to restock the lake. And when they did it one week, they had three days of cold, rainy weather, and they had nothing in the nets. It was absolutely empty. And then the next day they had a good, fair, sunny day, and they had three in the nets. They had a 42, a 45, and a 51. So by knowing where those nets are and where they're getting fished, and a lot of times they're getting a lot of recaptures in the net from the previous year. If these fish return to the same areas, you know where the nets are. Those fish aren't going very far from those nets within a week or two. You've got a good chance of going out there and putting another fish or two in the boat or catching some bigger
0: fish. Yeah, and and that's just stuff you can kind of keep in your war chest, is just pay attention to what other people are doing. You know, I'll watch, you know, my, my one, I'm going to name this my one buddy, Tim, who I haven't fished with in almost three years now, which is shocking. I used to fish with him like three days a week. He would, he he was very vocal to anybody at the boat launch. He would come up and talk to people. Hey, how'd you guys do? And, and, you know, you know, they're bass fishing or just fishing for fish. And, oh, you see any muskies? He just comes right out and asks them. And, you know, people are willing to, he'll pump everyone for information, being friendly. And I just like shuffle away. I'm like, I just want to get in, get out, and get going. <laughs> but it's well, that's, that's
2: good information to get because two of the lakes we fish are heavily fished for bass, and if I pass a bass guy on a shoreline or a that I'll, uh, I'll ask him, you know, are you catching any bass? How's the fishing going? A um, whole lake works together in whole. If the muskies are biting, the walleyes are biting, the panfish are biting, and sometimes these bass guys will be really open, and they'll say yeah, you know, I just got bit off over there by a big fish and it took my crankbait, or, yeah, I've been seeing a 48-incher sitting over here, and it kind of gives you an idea of maybe picking up a new spot or finding an area that you might have not fished before that's starting to hold fish. So some of it's helpful information.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, just about any of it's helpful. I mean, as long as they're not giving out wrong information get off their spots. (laughs) So you,
1: I you mean, do Eric's fisherman. But... Oh yeah, Eric's fish. I mean, you're you're fishing an area. I don't know if, if anyone who's listening has hasn't been to Wisconsin or even looked at a map of it. I mean, it, it, you know, our guys from around here, the, the amount of bodies of water <laughs> that these people have to choose from when they're fishing out there—it's insane. I, I think it would be overwhelming. You know, around here you have our muskie lakes. You go to Pima City, or you go to here, or you go there. Or you go to Chautauqua. Uh, I the first time I went to Wisconsin when we were doing that CMTT stuff, I would talk to people, and they're like, "We have thirty musky lakes in our county." Yeah. we have we have thirty in our state. You know, and it's, so it's a it's it's a, <laughs> there's a ton of fishing to do. So you know, picking picking certain bodies of water and really learning them. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what you're doing, Eric. Is just
2: uh, you know, t- you know, picking and choosing a few of them because you can't fish them all in Wisconsin. <laughs> no, you can't. And there's there's a lot of water. You know, like the Winnebago system. Winnebago alone is 40,000 acres, and it's got three upriver lakes that are connected. And there's also 142 miles of river on that system. So. There's a lot of water out there, and you probably can't even fish it in a full year. No, that, 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 you could spend your life there. I mean, I'm, I'm spending my time on a you know fourteen,
1: thirteen, fourteen thousand acre lake, and I, I don't get bored with it because the lake changes every day. Winds blowing differently. Now you're talking weeds about those places and that are five. Yeah, weeds grow, die. Everything changes daily, and uh, you know try to keep up with that. Uh, you, know, part, you know, part of me when I was there I was like a little jealous. Like, oh my gosh, they can just drive within a half hour, they can go to twenty different places. I was like, well, that, that could be a little overwhelming <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. How you know when, when we went out looking at places? I was just like, man, I, I get I, I felt overwhelmed, and I had like ten spots I wanted to fish, not ten hundred, you know, hundred lakes in my, in my yeah. backyard. I was like, oh, my God, this spot looks great. I want to start here. Oh, my God, this one over here looks insane, too. What do I do there? Yeah. So, I couldn't imagine having all that all that water there.
2: I try to stay within an hour of the Appleton Green Bay area um, as far as fishing. Otherwise, you're wasting time driving where you could be on the water. And sometimes, I get bored towards the end of summer, I, you know, middle of July, end of July. Um, I'll pack everything up. I'll leave for two weeks. I'll go to Minnesota, and I'll fish a couple big bodies of water over there for two weeks, kind of a vacation to get away and relax and, and get some different scenery on the lake. And then I'll come back and, and just really concentrate on the fall out on the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm.
0: Now,
1: you, you wasn't know... There a, wasn't there a big one caught up in Green Bay? maybe last year or something.
2: A couple big fish caught recently. I, I think the biggest I've heard coming out of here is about a 58 or the last couple of years. Um, 56 is common, quite a few 54s. I think on Saturday there was two 54s, a 53, and a 51 that I can recall being caught. So, um, there's there's a lot out there. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I saw a picture last year,
1: of some guy like holding a big one on shore. And sure,
2: there was, like, you mm-hmm.
1: know, This might have been a, a world record or something. Yeah,
2: like. there was there was actually two fish caught. There was a black guy in the mouth of the yeah. Fox River. Yeah, and yeah. he caught it from shore, and they they uh, pumped it up, and you know had a story on him, stuff like yeah. that. And then there was another one, um, I think it was a mid 50s, that was caught from a walleye guy fishing from shore on the east side of the lake. And the fish had some poor, uh, it's some poor fish handling techniques in the video. And I think it ended up getting pulled off of the internet because of getting some throwback got on it. But, yeah. yeah, there was a couple. you got to be honest, I mean, there's, there's pretty
1: you have, you have an, an opportunity to unproperly treat a fish every time you, you catch one Yep. you know it It happens it does yeah. So yeah. Here, how long have you been
2: how long have you been guided well I started out doing it kind of part time here and there uh, I would say about eight years ago and I, I mostly only focused on inland lakes because in Wisconsin for $40 you can send it in down to the, the state and fill out a little application and they'll send you a license so pretty much next door the guy down the street can run out get a license doesn't even have to fish you know how to fish and uh, we started fishing Green Bay catching a lot of big fish consistently catching fish, and uh, kind of got some slack for him. A couple guys called me out, said, hey, he's guiding out there. He doesn't have license, you know, stuff like that. And doing the tackle company, I, I've got a pretty large list of friends that take fish and boat with me. Um, and I do a lot of fishing with my dad. And I suppose if I got somebody different in the boat every weekend or every day, it kind of does look like that. So I got sick of it about three years ago, and I went and took my captain's test and passed it and got a captain's license for the Great Lakes. And since then, I've been picking it up a little more here and there. And I tend to do about four trips a week, and it seems every year I do it. I keep getting busier and busier. Um, We catch a lot of big fish out there, have some good days. And I'm not the type of person to really push a product or a service down somebody's throat. I think word of mouth is the best advertising you can get, and a few pictures on Facebook. So that's what we tend to do. We put a few pictures up. We talk to some guys at the shows, and they talk to yeah. their friends. And I, I bet you thirty to forty percent of my business is repeat customers, whether it's the guide service or um, the lures that we build. Yeah, and the lure company. How did that all come up? Um. You know, ever since I was probably in high school, I tinkered around with stuff. And then outside of high school, um, I used to paint some baits for Muskie Magic Tackle. And I did some uh, other work for uh, Enticer Tackle and a few other companies behind the scenes. And uh, we started tinkering around doing our own stuff. And I think the first bait I ever made was a glider. I think we called it the Squirrelly Gill Glide. And we made a sucker bait, called it the swim and spin sucker. And those were kind of our first two baits we ever made. And guys caught some fish on them and came back, sold some more. Um, We started doing trade shows. I believe the Ohio Musty Show was the first trade show we ever brought our baits to and set up a booth. And that kind of got us hooked. And about six, seven years ago, we got real serious about it made up some new products, and started doing all the musty shows. We built up a pretty good customer base, and now we're stuck every winter. We're doing like eight or nine musty shows, um, advertising the base, the guide services, uh, a full website, a Facebook page, and it's nice to be able to go to a show and a customer comes up to you and says, hey, I bought something from you last year. I really liked it. I got a 48-incher on it or I got a muskie on it, you know, no matter what size it is. yeah, it, that's, that's what it's all about. It's all about hearing a customer that you made his day because he caught a fish on your product or um, his kid caught a, you know, it's his first muskie or his biggest muskie on it. And, and that's, that's really what, what we're in it for. It's, uh, it's for our customers. We're, we're a family-based company. It's just me and my wife. Um, my dad will help out I'll get a, a group of guys like Justin Harris and Doug Nutt they're, they're good friends on Facebook and Eric Matthias and uh, they'll call up and say hey you need me to come over and work on bait in December or January when there's nothing going on and we have two feet of snow on the ground and I, I'll say yeah there's some stuff you can do some stuff you can't do but if you guys want to come over and put hooks on and split rings on and pack stuff up you know i it doesn't pay a whole lot, you know, maybe a few baits here or there, but I think the the companionship, you know, come over and kind of, you know, talk crap back and forth and pick on each other and make fun of baits and stuff like that. So it's kind of a, kind of a good uh, friendship building time.
0: Nice. Now I got to ask, how'd you come up with the name?
2: Well, we used to have a bucktail that was part hair and had some loose rubber on it. And uh, one friend was over one day looking at it, and he's like, I don't know, this is kind of a rubber hairy thing. And, you know, I'm like, that's kind of different, and it's something you really don't forget, and it stands out. And I said, well, let's call it rubber hairy tackle then, because it's half hair and half rubber. So that, that kind of stuck, and that's where we've actually gone with it i, I uh, tooled around on changing the name a few times and we just kind of left it there a lot of a lot of people chuckle at it and we've got some shirts that say rubber hairy tackle uh fish responsibly bring your rubbers because we build rubber baits, so we can kind of make
0: some fun of it. Uh, so there's an innuendo in there
2: <laughs> yeah, and we get, we get some guys out in your area. the uh, The whole Muskie Train uh, guys, um, you know, he likes to he likes to switch it around and and say, hey, it's Harry Rubbers, you know. So we get we get to some of the shows and some of the guys we don't see all the time. Uh, it it gives us a good laugh. I mean, that's that's what it's all about having a good time and um, you know, being nice to people and putting out a good product.
0: Like it, but. <clears throat> Go, going back to, to Green Bay a little bit because I, I guess I did. I never realized you fished Green Bay. I just thought you did the, the smaller, smaller million lakes in Wisconsin. Um, no, you said you got the captain's license. Is that a six pack license?
2: That is correct. That's up. That's for up to a five hundred ton ship.
0: Okay. How, how much does your boat weigh? Four hundred ton?
2: No, I'm at <laughs> like forty two hundred pounds. So I'm, I'm <laughs> not even a motion liner yet
0: okay so you don't have to worry about how much gas you have on board to to be over no, the...
2: <laughs> no actually for the license that we have um that six pack is pretty much overkill and i talked to a few people on it the instructor for one part wants to get to what we're doing with the fishing out there and what you take in the class—it's pretty much a lot of useless information that you'll never use again. And they—they want to change it up. And I guess he's pushing through with the Coast Guard to come up with a better program for your muskie guides, your walleye guides, stuff like that. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm never going to drive a 500-ton ship. Um, yeah. but there are a few things in there. <laughs>
0: Alright, we got interrupted by a whole bunch of static I I must be all all these conference calls we're doing. But okay, so you know, I I keep thinking, you know, if I had the five hundred ton license, I'd be out on Green Bay like I'm looking for a runaway ship that the captain passed out and they need someone to steer the boat. And I'd be driving up next to him, climbing up the ladder and saving the day. That that scenario ever run through your head. <laughs>
2: No. Okay. I, I see a 500-ton ship. I'm going the opposite direction with
0: yeah. this. It's <laughs> the Oh. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm the only one that would run it down and and, and save the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, but you know, how, how do you know how do you know that
2: uh, runaway ship doesn't have pirates on it? Yeah.
0: Hey, I'd take them on. I'd I, MacGyver that thing, Captain Phillips stuff. Uh, that's right. That could be the Black okay, so What's
1: your what? What's the main? You know, all the bait companies have. Uh, you know, I know we do, everybody does. What What would you say? What's your big bait? What's the big seller? What's the one that helps you break through oh. or you know get things going?
2: Our Our most popular that got us going, kind of got us on the map with our swim and spin sucker. And uh, that is still quite a good staple right now as our company. Um, We've got a lot of people that like them. They come back and buy, you know, two or three or four each year because they're catching fish on them. But what's really given us an opportunity um, to put another staple on the market was our single tail rubber bait called the Twinkie which you can't eat it like the snack cake Twinkie from Hostess, but um, it's kind of a little bit different. You know, a lot of guys, I, I get a kick out of it at a show. I'll stand in a booth, and they'll run up, and, um, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, this is just another Bulldog, which, which yeah, if you just look at it from, you know, walking by, it is. But if you actually stop and ask, you know, what's different about it, there's quite a bit different to it. I I don't, I can't say I can come up with something really original. You know, everything's kind of a copy of yeah. this or a copy of that or, or a, an improved version of it. So I, I'm not somebody to take credit and say, yeah, we, we've got the best bait out there. Um, you know, that's, that's up to our customers to decide. If you like it, you know, you buy it. If you don't, that's fine. But we've, we've got a, a ripped tail on the end. And it's different. Nobody else on the market has a rib tail. It it really catches the water. I worked with a bass company on the idea, and they told me any time you put a bump or a line or a pad on a tail and the water catches it, it really throws the water and pushes the water. Yeah, it throws more vibration. Yep. We tried about three different ribs on the tail, um, sizes on it, and the original one we did, I guess we got lucky because that ended up working. And then um, a lot of your soft plastics are only weighted in the head and they nose dive down. And ours is weighted in the head and about three-fourths of the way back, which gives it kind of a mix-up action in the water, so you don't really have just the soft plastic, but kind of a cross between a soft plastic and like a glider jerk bait. so... It's got a little bit of roll. It's got a little bit of kick out to the side, and a lot of guys like that. They say that they think that helps get the the fish to hit. And we've got a little longer tail, and that little longer tail in the spring and the fall in very cold water, it moves just enough to get the fish to strike. And I've heard that from several customers um, that can fish in January and February in Illinois, um, Virginia. And they said that tail moves just enough that that fish will decide to hit the bait. So, our Twinkie actually has quite a bit of a different makeup from the other soft plastics out there. But if you walk by and look at it, sure, it looks like everything else. It's got a single tail. Sure.
0: Nice. Yeah,
1: love that that, that vibration. Looks uh, like you know our soft plastic swimmer. I love
2: that paddle tail and pushing water it's yeah, those, Don't get me wrong; those paddle tails are excellent in cold water too and cold, uh, strong condition.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> so typically, when you start off a a guide trip, you meet the people, and you know, obviously, you got to launch the boat. But what's a typical day that 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 you would you would go? You know, I guess to describe it for for anybody contemplating a guide trip in Wisconsin.
2: Well, I don't know if I can say there is a typical day because you're dealing with people of all different areas, all different backgrounds. Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. So every day is a little bit different, but they're similar. Um, You know, usually I I can call up the client uh, beforehand. I've got a hotel in the area, so I can put them up at a hotel. I can uh, pick them up right at the hotel in the morning. All they have to do is have uh, food and drink ready. I've got all the poles, the equipment, everything we need for a day on the water. And I can drive them to the boat landing. Um, if they want to stay somewhere else, I can meet them at the boat landing. We'll launch in the morning, uh, introduce ourselves right away so everybody knows who everybody is out on the water. I'll hook them up with a couple baits. We'll hit a couple areas where we know the fish are biting. Um, a normal day, 375 that's 8 to 10 hours. A half a day would be $200, and that's 4 to 5 hours. And we go out, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not always about catching fish. It, it's learning new stuff, um, maybe learning bodies of water, how to work baits, stuff like that. The fish is the bonus. But I kind of take pride on it every time I launch the boat, whether I have a customer or not. I'm looking for the biggest fish in that system, and I've actually got a personal goal of a 58-incher, which I'd like to, to break, and I've got a personal goal of a 51-inch tiger um, out of the inland lakes. So, um, you know, I think one of the most important things when you're taking other people out on the water is you have to have a goal and you have to have something in mind. And a lot of people expect, you know, a fish in the boat, which sometimes Mother Nature doesn't cooperate and it doesn't happen. But I think by having a goal and setting that stuff um, before we get there, that seems to help. And, and a full day actually really doesn't even start it at the boat landing. It starts when I leave the garage with the boat. I hook up the boat. I leave the garage. I'm checking the radar. I'm checking the moon uh, phases. I'm checking the weather app and I'm looking at the pole and I'm thinking, before I even get to that boat landing, where I'm fishing, what I'm using, and what's it going to take to catch a fish. Once we get on the water and we start fishing, I'm already thinking of, okay, if this doesn't work, we don't see fish, we don't catch fish, where are we going to go to the second spot, and what are we going to do to try to get a fish in the boat? So, um, a lot of guys are like, oh, you got an easy job. You're a guy. You know, that's, that's the life. You're, you're sitting in the boat driving it around. It's a lot of work. You know, I, I've got the, um, my last four days were eight to ten hours on the water with about four hours of sleep in between. When I get done with a guide trip, I'm coming home. We're cleaning up the boat, um, maybe cutting lines, retying leaders, fixing baits um sometimes i get home i gotta go in the shop and i gotta pour orders that came in that day while we were on the water so some days end up turning out to be uh 18 to 20 hour days by the time we're done
0: yeah that's it's easy I don't, I don't know how you can complain <laughs> i i've said it before in the podcast i would not want to be a guy that it, that's just it, i don't know it'd it take the fun away for me I mean, but again, yeah. I'm, I'm not really fishing, so I'm not having that much fun fishing, so <laughs> it's easy for me to. Well,
2: and, and that's another thing. It, when I guide, I don't fish. I, I sit there and run the trolling motor in the boat, and I position it and find spots for the clients to catch the fish. I, uh, I want to be ready with the net so if they catch a fish of a lifetime or they catch their first muskie. I'm there with the net. We get the fish in the net. I've got a uh, a net camera I can turn on on the net so we can film it. We're running a couple GoPros in the boat. And uh, the only times I fish are if I only have one client in the boat or I have two in the boat and they say, hey, we really want you to fish. We want to see how you're fishing or or what you would do in the situation. Those are the only times I fish or if I have a day off. I go fishing, so I'm usually on the water quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Now, you, you say you're running some, some GoPros. Does that get to yeah. be a pain in the butt?
2: Um, I I tried hooking it up last year, and I ran out of time. I didn't get much time to play with it, and then I got busy guiding. We had some bad weather. Um, we were having rain every other day, so I didn't get much time to play with it, Um and I'm actually not really running a GoPro. I'm running a SJ4000, which is pretty much a GoPro but a cheaper model. They go for between, like, 60 and $80. And uh, the batteries last about four hours, so I actually went a step further, and I hardwired both of my cameras. I've got one camera that faces forward and one that faces back, and I hardwired it right into the cigarette lighter in the boat. So you don't have to change um, batteries throughout the day. The SD card will hold enough memory for the whole day. But by hardwiring it in and putting a little trickle charge in there, um, it'll run all day. Don't have to touch it. Don't have to play with it. I made a custom mount uh, out of some steel. We welded it up and I mounted it to the bracket on my Hummingbird, which is coming off of a Ram mount. And that seemed to work out good. And then the other one, I believe SJ makes it. It's more of a bicycle camera, but it's got a connection that goes right on the handle of the net. And as soon as you get a fish, you grab the net, you slide the switch on the top of the camera straight forward till it clicks. It's got about a two- or three-second delay. It starts to record, and we get that fish biting coming in hitting the net, thrashing around in the net. So a lot of times guys will catch a fish and say, hey, how about some video of it? And whether I get to it on a day off or I do it in the winter, eventually I'll get through, pull the video off, and I can put it on a CD and give it to them or put it on Facebook for them to see, and they really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, it, it's... yeah that,
1: that, that, that's fun stuff. Me and, me and Todd tried this stuff, I, I think, yeah. Uh... I got frustrated about a half an hour into it and then we just said the heck with it and keep putting in the storage compartment. We're, we're, we're amateurs with that. I guess that's just another thing on top of all those things you're talking about getting the boat ready leaders for foreign base, anything like that that comes with a day of mission. it's just another thing you have to put effort into doing for the client to get that footage
2: well, it, it it is, and it's, it's a bad thing, too, because last year I ended up running uh, the net camera. We were trolling one day out on the, the lower part of the bay, I believe, about the third or fourth week of September, and our second fish of the day was uh, about a 54, 55-inch fish, and you could see him come up, and he thrashed around on the surface, pulled the cleaner board back, and we fought that fish in, and I had a uh, client from the spring with me and he's he's a pretty pretty seasoned angler he knows what's going on but a lot of times he fishes by himself and we got that fish all the way up to the net and just as I go to net it he says wait stop and I'm like stop so I pulled back on the net which the crankbait ended up getting stuck on the rim of the net the fish twisted slam in the net turned and slam out, so we have to relive that on the every time. But, but I asked him, I said, why did you say that? You know, and your, my natural response was to stop if somebody tells you to stop. And he said, I'm sorry, I guess I shouldn't have said that. I fish by myself a lot. I like to wear the fish out a little bit. I thought it was a little too green for the net. Now, as a guide, any chance I get, I'm going to take a chance and put that fish in the net because that. At any time, that bait can come out or you can lose a fish, it can go under the boat, it can go in the motor. There's so many things that can go wrong. You have to take a chance and net that fish the first chance that you get.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Stop. and <laughs> Yeah, I have well, to agree with you. First reasonable opportunity at a fish, you got to take it. You do. But,
1: especially when that's yeah, now that's, that'd be a good idea to watch, especially with
0: clients. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you just gotta
0: do it. Yeah, and, and, and you said you have a personal goal of a 58. How close have you come? You just, you you know, you guys, your boat just lost a 54, 55. How close have yeah. you come?
2: I, I personally have a 54 trolling. And I've got a a 53-and-a-half casting. So we're getting up there. Um, I've seen some fish that are pushing that 56, 57-inch range. We've had them up. Um, We've had fish on that, um, frankly, trolling. You get them about 10, 15 feet from the boat, and they just scream away. And you bring them back up. And, you know, for some odd reason, something went wrong. The bait came out, or they turned just right, and and got loose and ended up getting off. So we, we've seen a few. We've had some fish on. Um, I, I think it's possible with the Great Lakes with uh, so much water out there. Now Michigan started stocking the northern part of the bay, so you, you've got the northern and the southern part of the bay that those fish might start intermingling. But the northern part of the bay has more trout and uh, oily forage for them in a lot colder water where these fish can grow and live a little longer to grow a little bit bigger and to put out a a 57, a 58, or a 59-inch fish. And I've heard of a 58 getting caught out there. I've seen pictures of it. It's a legitimate 58-inch fish. And if we catch and see 10% of the fish on a body of water, That tells me there's fish out there that are probably bigger than 58 inches, but with that much water, where do you start? Where do you find it? You Mm -hmm. can be on the lake and the fish is on the other end of the lake. But the opportunity does exist out there. If a guy really put his time in, fished the northern end, fished a lot of deep water around the uh, ciscoes and the trout, eventually he would probably connect with a fish of a lifetime.
0: Yeah, now, now, you said Michigan started stocking. You know, I I'm I'm very unfamiliar with the area and all the stocking procedures. Did, did did they do any studies for, for the, you know, the what strain of muskie they want to put in or did they work with Wisconsin and all the notes to figure out their notes on it uh, or is it just dump the fish in and hope for the best? No.
2: Nope. Everything that has been put in has been the Great Lakes spotted muskie. And Michigan and Wisconsin worked together. We gave them spotted muskies to stock, I believe, in the upper part of the bay. Um, and I, I can't be 100% sure on this, so don't yell at me if I'm wrong on it. But um, we gave them spotted muskies to stock that, I think, some inland lakes in exchange for our northern Wisconsin barred muskie which they use to stock the upper peninsula of Michigan. There's a quite a few lakes up there, smaller lakes that get those fish in it. So I guess from what I have heard from the guys in Michigan, we kind of did a trade-off on fish, and that keeps the bay with the same strain of fish in there. The only thing they've done differently is they've got fish out of, I believe, the Indian River in Canada, St. Clair, the Detroit River, And they intermixed the Great Lakes strain, so that way if disease comes in and it knocks out some of the fish, you don't lose the whole um, population of fish. You only lose a few fish, um, and the different strains kind of give you quite a variety out there, and I think that really helps with the whole system.
0: Have you noticed since, since you're fishing the Great Lakes strain, in, in, in Green Bay, and then you go inland, that would be a different strain. Have you noticed tendencies? I mean, obviously the water, you know, the size of the water and stuff. Have you noticed a tendency difference between the two? You know, one might be heavier per length, you know, per inch, or one will tend to hit a bait that's more like this. Oh,
2: very much so. Our, our inland strain, we've got the northern Wisconsin Bart muskie, Um, Some of the lakes actually have the Minnesota leech lake strain in them, which they grow pretty big, mid-50s, 54, 55, 56, and and fairly heavy. Um, The barred strain, slower growing, um, maybe doesn't get as big, and the great lake strain, they grow fast, um, probably die fast, too, but uh, it's, it's weird because Inland, you can pull up to a weed bed and say, I know there's a fish sitting here. And the Great Lakes, they're more of an open-water roaming fish. And there's different characteristics to inland and Great Lakes as far as colors, um, patterns. You know, each lake you fish has its own characteristics. You know, one lake might be a bucktail lake. One lake might be a crankbait lake. You know, it, it kind of it differs from where you're fishing. And our inland fish grow about an inch to inch and a half a year. And the Great Lakes Strain, they're growing, I've heard, up to four to five inches in a year. And at nine years, they're already reaching 50 inches. So there's, there's quite a bit of differences. Um, and there's some similarities to them. I know with our spring netting this year, we had 26 fish in one fight net. to use 22 fish. We ran an average of 48 inches on Green Bay, and I believe four of the fish in one of the five nets were over 50 inches, which one was 50 and a half, and it weighed 46 pounds on a DNR scale. So once you start to hit about 45, 46 inches, that fish's length will start to equal its body weight. And it, it's really cool because they've got a lot of shad-based forage out there, and I think these fish just swim around and keep their mouth open and, and constantly eat because of of the weight on them. They're, they're built thick all the way to the tail. We don't have too many skinny fish in the system, and our inland fish just, you know, some of them aren't, aren't grown as big. We get a lot of smaller, skinnier fish inland, and it has to do with the forage pace, so... Quite a bit of difference between the two.
0: Yeah, so you know, I you would rather fish Green Bay versus the inland, but if you know if weather doesn't permit, then you kind of go inland, or is that kind Absolutely. of like okay? Yeah, I don't so, know.
2: I I think Green Bay has your best potential for a fifty-inch fish. A lot of guys fish their whole life, don't catch a fifty. And I take them out on Green Bay, and, you know, they end up catching a 52 or a 51. Um, there's, there's so much more potential for big fish. I would say the last four years, in my boat on Green Bay, we've put maybe two fish in the boat under 40 inches. Everything's been 40 and over, and I'm running between a 46- and 48-inch average. Hmm.
0: Now, how long ago did they start stocking Green Bay?
2: Uh, the, the late 80s the early 90s was when they really dumped a lot in there, and probably about uh, 2003, 2004, it was just phenomenal fishing out there. And then they found uh, VHS out there, so they quit stocking for a couple years, um, like two years. And then they started to put some supplemental stocking in, and then they put a few more in there. But they have a quota of 40,000 fish a year that they want to put in Green Bay. And we're waiting to get – we've got some inland rootstock lakes that they want to take fish out of and put in the cold water facility. Um, We've got Wild Rose, which does a lot of our fish stocking. They want to put it in there but they don't want to take fish out of the Great Lakes because of the VHS, infect the hatchery with it because the cold water also does trout and salmon, you know, stuff like that. And then you would infect more bodies of water. So if they can get these VHS-free fish um, mature enough to get eggs out of them, they can take those eggs, raise them in the hatchery, Stock Green Bay was forty thousand, and Winnebago was fifteen, and Green Bay is top priority. Green Bay will get the majority of the fish, and they want to get that going and keep that going before they stock any of the other lakes in the area.
0: Now, is that a point of controversy for for the fishermen, or does it seem like most people are on board with it?
2: Most people are on board with it because we started out with a 50-inch size limit out on the bay. And uh, I think we had a spring where we had a few fish that got caught and mishandled and died and a few incidental shore catches that were undersized. And I I believe just within the last year or two, they pushed uh, for a 54-inch size limit. And Green Bay now has a 54-inch size limit. And the Winnebago system has a 50-inch size limit, so that helps out
0: tremendously. I'd say so. If you know, because you, you know, I asked that question about when they started stocking it because, you know, I remember, you know, I don't know what was about maybe 10 years ago when Malax was just pumping out all those giants. Sure. And, and now Malax is like people are struggling as compared to you know 10 years ago. I didn't know if Green well, Bay was riding that not, big wave.
2: Not true. not true because this fall there was a lot of big fish that came out of well, it, the lake.
0: Well, yeah.
2: The only difference was it was kept quiet, not like in the past where everybody talked about it and the lake became a city.
0: Yeah, you know, it just it, because obviously I'm not there, but just hearing the yep. reports a lot of people's all were struggling, they're not catching fish this and that. I mean, I'm, obviously they're they're always going to catch fish, but it, uh, a, a, you know, the guides were, were just all these huge fish photos right around the time that whatever the double tens came out, you sure. know. And yeah, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't mean that there was no big fish being caught, but I didn't know if there was like this giant wave that Green Bay's riding, or do you think that it's just going to sustain like this with with how well, that they're managing I
2: think, it? You, I
1: think I'm you're first, talking about, I mean, I, I, I've never been there, obviously, but you're talking about huge water. I mean, the, the, the just the uh, elements can get to you. Look what happened. I mean, they did the PMTP event there two days. Nobody caught a fish. That's not because of the fishery, because of the elements. You probably can't get out there all the time.
2: No, actually the PMTP when they had it in Green Bay wasn't the elements. It was where they had it hosted. The lower part of the bay is more of a stained water, and the further north you go the clearer the water gets. And these fish, they start out in the river in the spring, spawn, and within a week or two of spawning, they leave the river, and they leave the lower bay because the bait fish just isn't there. And they're they're out there 20, 25 miles from the mouth of the river. And if you have a tournament in the Fox River and the lower bay, and these fish aren't there, I mean, I believe we were. There, yeah. Yep, we were just north of where they cut off the boundary line, and some of the guys that pre-fishing went north of the boundary line and caught fish. So it was, mm. I think, it was planning it and having it in an area that was too early in the year when these fish were still in a summer pattern and not a fall pattern yet. Mm. Mm. But as as the the shad, you know, the shatter in the Fox River. Um, and they move out and they go out in the bay and the walleyes feed on them, as that water temperature drops, those shad start moving closer and closer to the river. So if those shad are moving in, the muskies are moving in, yep. and you've got an opportunity to catch them. But if you have a boundary area and the shad haven't moved in yet because the water hasn't dropped, the muskies aren't moving in, you can have a tournament out there and
1: not catch any fish. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The with the big bodies of water. I mean, moving forage, that's a whole other thing that a lot of people don't even ever have the opportunity to fish until they don't go into an inland lake.
2: Yep, and we've had fish. I, I think I've heard of two fish, and... Uh, They were stocked in Green Bay in the Fox River. One of them was found out in Lake Michigan on the Upper Peninsula part up by Manistee Lake, I believe, and another fish was caught down in the Milwaukee Harbor. So these fish went north in the bay, somehow went around the Door County Peninsula and went south like 100 miles and went into the harbor in Milwaukee. What it was doing down there, what it followed, you know, who knows? And and Green Bay is kind of open-ended fishery, which Lake Superior is kind of set up the same way. I've got some experience fishing Lake Superior. And these fish, they could leave the river, go in the bay, go in Lake Michigan, go to Lake Erie, go to Lake Huron. If they're following food and the food is there, they could just keep going. You know, there's there's no... No uh, gate. There's no door. There's nothing stopping them from doing it. Yeah. But you know, yeah, I I keep a general rule of thumb. A muskie will stay within five to seven miles of where it spawned, and that's kind of pretty much true for a majority of it, as long as the conditions prevail for it to hold.
0: You know, I, I got a lake that I fish that's like 69 acres, so I'm pretty sure <laughs> that that holds true for that lake.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You're, You're probably going to be in the, in the right zone. As soon
0: as you launch your boat. As soon as I launch my boat, yeah. <laughs> you can fish the whole lake in two hours. But not I,
2: Green Bay. You're going to need like two years.
0: <laughs> you just need, you know big big set of planer boards like a two mile spread (laughs) um yeah Yeah,
2: you know that's another thing with that with that big water and fishing the great lakes you really got to watch the weather um it can go from flat calm to five six footers in a matter of ten minutes um so you got to watch it if you got storms coming up or wind switches directions the the bay kind of sits in there northeast and it can roll on a lake in michigan come into the bay those waves can build and uh you really don't want to get caught out there you want to make sure your clients are safe so you really got to have safety on the the top of your head and always be aware of your your conditions around you at all times
0: yeah now i i know you have a ranger but what 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 boat are you fishing out of
2: i'm fishing out of a 617 ranger which is actually an 18 foot boat i believe it's like an inch short of 18 foot okay and it's a deep V. it's a dVs series so it's a really deep bullet um, i did put an automatic bilge pump in it just because some days i've been out there with friends um, we do take water over the front once in a while or over the back as we're casting and it gives the opportunity just to pump the water out enough to keep fishing. If I'm out there with clients, I take a little bit more care on them, um, maybe go in a little bit earlier because of that. But I've got a couple friends that uh, I think they're just as nuts as me They'll fish in almost anything.
0: Hmm. Yeah, what... What's
1: your limit away? Oh, One lucky fish. You fish in four or
2: five footers? Absolutely, I I think the the worst I fished in out there uh, was about six footers in my boat.
0: Was it worth it?
2: Um, absolutely not. I put all the screws back <laughs> in the boat. And got it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. yeah
1: I, I, I've been I've been to St. Clair a couple times. It was like Don it, I'm here for a week's vacation and I'm fishing. Well, we went out and beat our.
2: So the death, <laughs> it's like, yeah, we should just stay <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, if I go on vacation, I'm in Minnesota, I'm on, on vacation, I'm there, I'm going out, I'm fishing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did it today, we watched the radar, we had a big storm coming in, it got black, clients wanted to go, I took them back to the landing, I dropped them off. We settled up, and I looked, and I'm like, you know, maybe we got a half hour. And uh, I said, you know, I think I'm going to go back out for a half hour. I went back out, and the cable kind off in position. I didn't see much on the radar, but I gave her about a half hour, 45 minutes, and I think we got too close to the front, and I didn't move a whole lot. So I pulled the boat out, and I got her out just in time today. But I guess that's what... Keeps you going, you know, that potential of maybe catching a big fish right before a storm. Yeah. Is is it worth your life? No, no fish is worth a life, but (laughs) you you have to know where that fine line is of getting off the water. And and by having a smartphone, you've got some apps nowadays that help you. You know, you've got a live radar that goes off your GPS. Um, You've got a weather app so you can see what's going on. You've got a, a moon calendar app that tells you your best fishing. You just have to use the tools that are available.
0: Yeah. So, would you be lost if I just happened to take your phone and said, "You got, you know, a month of fishing. You can't use this. It's mine."
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And my wife would say I was lost too because I'm on my phone constantly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, mine says.
1: Go ahead. What seem like that long ago that they, uh, w- you know, one of my friends had the weather app on his phone, and we'd be out here fishing on Chautauqua Lake, and uh, everybody would call him Hey, what's going on? You know, but, you know, it, it, now everybody's
2: got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the only bad thing, though. Everybody's got a phone. It's on Facebook, they've got the internet, they catch a big fish, and a lot of times what's happened in the past, it's ruined a lake or it's ruined a spot. And I think a couple people, and a group of them, have got a little smarter last year and this year, and they've kept it a little more quieter. And there's been some guys that have been on some really good bikes lately, and nobody knows about it until the season's over with. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, you know, I remember gosh, and it wasn't all that long ago, it was 5 6 years. I would still open up the Friday paper in the sports section. There's they, they have a little snippet called the fish on report and you know, it would just be like a collaboration of all these bait shops, you know, a guy calls up, gets the report. Who knows if it's true or not, but that that was that was your key to the local what's happening. And you That's know, true. And now it's like, well, let me hop on seven different forums in the next 30 seconds. I can figure out what's going on. And
2: and with having a phone in the boat, I work with a couple other guys that are guys out on the bay. I make one phone call. Hey, are you doing any good? Seeing anything? What's working? And in a matter of five minutes, I've talked to five or six people. And if they're not out, I know I've got friends out there. Send a couple text messages, make a couple calls, and if we're not seeing fish in an area, we're out of there, we're moving, and we're going over by them. So, you know, that, that technology out there, you can really get a lot of people in one area really quick.
0: Yeah. Have you ever uh, given a false report with someone else? Oh,
2: absolutely. <laughs> I, I think everybody does. <laughs> I think it's human nature, you know, guys, guys will give you about, I would say half of the information is true that they're giving you. So if you do ask a bass guy or a musky guy, um, you know, you you got to kind of decipher what's true and what's not true. And, and a lot of it, you know, I hear it at tournaments. Oh, we lost such a big fish or we saw this or we saw that. You hear it at the musky shows, guys talking yeah. and, you know, it, it exaggerates. You get another beer or two in you yeah, or, or, hey, that 45-incher by, you know, the end of the season. Now that fish is a 48-incher. So you, you got to take it with a grain of salt and kind of kind of decipher what's true and what's not. Now they talk about six-foot muskies
1: on Green Bay because they do here where we live. Hmm. Like all the bass guys have caught one that was six feet long.
0: Yeah. Has Green Bay ever coughed up a six-foot muskie?
2: <laughs> you know, not not as not from what I know. <laughs> yeah. Well.
1: Yeah, these are that's the bass guys. And yeah, they tend to tend to say it, it was at least six feet. I was like, I oh, bet not six
2: feet. Yeah, genetically, you know, I I don't think it's possible. Um, if you look at the St. Lawrence River, you look at Lake Erie, Georgian Bay, Vermilion, Mille Lacs, Green Bay, Winnebago, if they were kicking out fish that big, we would be catching bigger fish than what we're catching now. Um, and I just don't think it's, I don't think it's out there. I think we've got uh, too warm of water and the fish are growing too fast that they are they're dying before they can... Can get to be that big.
0: Well, next time I hear a bass guy say that, I'm going to call you up and have 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 you talk to them, straighten them around. It won't help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, what what you know? And i I'm just I, I like setups. What what do you have? What year is your your Ranger?
2: Um, I've got a 2004, I believe.
0: Okay, yours is 10 years newer than mine. Because it's a a 617, correct? Correct. Yeah, I have a 681, which is just under 17 foot. And I think yours was like, you know, not direct replacement. But uh, what do you have power in it? I
2: have a 2014 Mercury
0: 154 stroke. Ooh, how do you like that?
2: I love it. I had a Honda four-stroke on there previously, and I switched it out. I actually, um, when I started guiding Green Bay, I picked up Mercury as a pro-staff company. I picked up St. Croix Rods, and uh, Mercury is a great company to deal with. I love the motor. We've got um, a lot of service shops in the area, so if you do have a problem or need something done, it's easy to get it fixed. You can get it in. You can get it out. I actually took it in this <laughs> spring. Um, it's got a 300 hour uh, service maintenance checkup where they changed the impeller, the spark plugs, and the belt on it. And I took it in, and the guy kind of laughed at me. Um, the belt was on back order for a day. It took an extra day or two to get in. And he just laughed at me when I walked in, and I said, "What? what's so funny? And he goes, I have never had this new of a motor in for the 300-hour service check yet. He goes, you're the first one. And to be honest with you, I had 482
0: hours on it in one year. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you went over your 300.
2: I did. You know, it was in the fall. It was close. I thought I'll, I'll run it out and uh, I'll get it done in the spring. So that's what I ended up doing. I had a couple things that broke on the boat in the fall, too, and I waited till spring. We kind of got through the season with it you know nothing really major but uh, one thing I do like about it is you can troll with them a little bit and it comes with a tooling gauge and I can change my RPMs dial them right in we can get a fish on put it in neutral fight the fish because a lot of guys are like well trolling's cheating um, you know you're dragging and snagging fish not true we get a fish on we get the rod out of the holder keep tension on it I put that motor in neutral, you can fight that fish just like you're casting, let the fish make a couple runs, get her in the net. Once that fish is gone, I can put the boat back in gear, hit mode twice, and it'll take me right back to the exact same speed I was going that we got the fish at. So I can dial that speed in every time and reproduce that speed if that's what's catching the fish that day.
0: Nice, you
1: and know that, that's controlled through your smart car.
2: Yep it's it's a real fine control too. So if I want to up it up the speed or down the speed just a little bit, it's just you know one finger on the plus sign or a finger on the minus sign and one or two clicks and we've got a real small change.
0: That's nice. Yeah. Now, Todd, what was? Remember, I forget what it was. You, When, uh, you know, we hear people on, on, you know, on the internet, whatever, whatever outlet you're looking at, talk about, you know, exactly what Eric was saying with, you know, trolling's cheating and, you know, you're just, you know, there's no real fight and all that stuff like that. But Todd, remember watching some of them YouTube videos of, of people like figure eight in a fish and they set the hook and by the time they set the hook, the net's already underneath the fish.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That well, well, I, I see it all the time. I mean they don't I, the problem. I'm a caster. I would much rather catch the fish casting. It's so much more fun. The clients enjoy it more. But I'll tell you, there's there's no doubt there is to be a good troller and the guys that catch fish consistently and the guys that catch fish all the time, there is way more involved. And learning how to catch those fish trolling than there is by casting. Yeah, there is, because you've been pulling up. Learning, learning the, you know, how much line am I letting out? How deep is this bait running? How fast am I going? What bait can travel the speed? You know, setting out the spread. So much more scientific and so much more thinking going on to trolling and casting. You pull up to a casting spot, and what do you do? You cast. I love doing it. That's my favorite way to catch a fish. Pull up the weed edge, you throw a dirt bait, you throw a rubber bait, you throw whatever. You just keep throwing it. Well, What's the big make- change? You go to a spinner, you know, but when you're trolling, there, there is so much going on, and the guys are out here. We have some people right here that catch a lot of fish trolling, and, uh, you know, they haven't dialed in. I mean, they, it's in their brain. They know when, you know, certain, you know, because you're working in the water column like you can't work with your cast, and you're working different baits and uh, so so much more involved. Trolling is way more involved than throwing it out while you're eating lunch. If, if, if that's the way you're going to troll, that's what it's going to be for you. But to make it a fish-catching machine, lots of thinking.
2: Well, and you've you got to remember, too, there's a lot of floating weeds on the lake and okay, you've yeah. got eight rods out, and you've got three people in the boat, and every half hour to 45 minutes, you're reeling all eight lines in, cleaning off weeds, putting them back in. You do that for 10 hours, you're yep. sore by the end of the day. Right right now, on our, our length, are reel them in about every, what, 10 minutes to second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. We're very, I mean, this, this, it, 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 it was horrible. Vance and I trolled for about an hour and a half and I was like, I'm done. I'm yeah. just exploring. Everything looks it's good. Really <laughs> Let's go, Cap. <cast."> yeah.
2: <laughs> I think there's a yeah. saying on Facebook, too. It says, oh, you troll, I think we both should see other men. <laughs> and it's yeah. got a husband and wife <laughs> on it. Yeah. We'll just
1: simply I it's funny, appropriate. There's, there's, there's floating weeds out there right now that are both size. It just is all kicked up from the holiday. and you're talking people going 50 miles an hour. Driving right towards yeah. Just picking up everything. I saw a pleasure boat at the like, man, there's a lot of floating weeds out there uh, this weekend, isn't there? And I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, I wonder why. He basically, and then he just like took off on the plane, and was, you know, a hundred, hundred feet from Sherman. I'm like, well, you're part of that problem, buddy. But there's your answer right <laughs> there. <Don't show> <laughs> That's why they're everywhere. <laughs> you know. That's yeah, why it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough trolling. I mean, got you working the spread, and you knowing your depth. Could be, Keeping keeping those those lures away from one another, and then gosh, I mean, when it, until the, that fish is in the bag, I mean, you you, you got to clear the the one side of the boat. You, you know, if you get a big fish on, you you can wipe out your whole spread, and then you're you know you you, you got you net netting three three lines. There's there's just a, a crazy uh, you know, and anything can happen out there. It's it, it's a lot of work for. Well, people on fish and
2: trolling all I think you missed an important thing, too, with trolling. There's things you can do trolling with baits. You can get baits to do some things trolling that you can't get them to do casting by using, like, the prop wash or shorter lines or different speeds. And sometimes that's stuff that the fish have never seen before, and you just can't replicate a casting.
0: Oh, you can achieve speeds, I can tell you that.
2: Yep, and there's bait modifications you can do um, to get them to run different ways by adding weights and rattles to them, and I've heard a few guys say a bait's not broken in trolling unless you've got 40 hours on
0: it. That might be the case. (laughs) Todd, how many hours hours do you think are on the baits in my, my trolling box?
1: In your trolling box?
0: I have ninety-three in Wileys minutes. in my trolling box.
1: They, they average about point <laughs> one minute
0: per lure. Yeah. They're still pretty green That's, if it's. Yeah. Yeah. They. They, they haven't. I, I. probably only three have hit the water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and I. I agree with that. You know, forty hours. You're you're pulling a bait through the water it's loosening up the nose, the line tie where you're tying your leader. It's loosening up the hook hangers. If it's a jointed lure, that that joint's really loosening up and the bait's clicking better. Um, The rattles on the inside are loosening up, breaking loose, kind of turning around. It it kind of, the more hours you get on a bait, it gives that bait kind of its, its own identity and its own characteristics.
0: Oh yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. That you know things settle into each other, and you know you get a fish to hit it or something like that. It's gonna put a little stress on it, maybe bend some wire. you know, yep. get get everything to kind of get into its its rhythm, which may may be good or bad for the bait. You know, you, you have no you have no idea, you know. No. What, but. Uh, yeah. So. Before the podcast started, I asked for you to come up with a story. And uh, did you think of one?
2: I do. I, I have a story from guiding. Okay. I, I've got lots of stories, but we don't have time to share all of them, though.
0: We might in the future. But let's... let's. let's some get... of them aren't
2: PG. Some of them are kind of rated X because of the clients I've had in the bullet time. <laughs> Wait,
0: what? How is it rated X with clients? What kind um, What kind I of guide service are you running?
2: I guided a husband and wife couple that were big into swinging, and I heard nine hours of oh. stories. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: let's skip that one.
2: We will. Tell us your story. Sure. I uh, I guided a guy. He's kind of fairly new to fishing last year. And uh, being a nice guy, I, I opened up my house to him. He stayed with me. And we got up early in the morning. We headed out to the lake. Threw everything in the truck. I hooked up the boat. We get to the boat. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of stuff to do on my half. And I asked him, could you go get a, a boat launch pass, pay for it, and uh, put it in the truck? I'll get the boat ready, unstrapped. I'll launch it, and we'll go so i take my tackle boxes out of the back seat throw them in the boat take my cooler throw it in and uh unhook the boat put the motor mount in i launch the boat i go and park the truck and trailer he gets in the boat we get out on the lake and uh i'm about six seven miles from the boat launch i start setting up i look over at him and i said are you going to start setting up and uh He says, no, I got a problem. I'm like, well, what's the problem? He's like, I left my tackle box in the truck. And I said, well, I didn't grab it. I said, I've got enough stuff to worry about with getting the boat in the water and everything parked and uh, taken care of. So I said, why don't you just use my baits for the day, and, you know, we'll go back in and get them. And we start trolling. He's all hooked up. And I told him we're going to troll some shallow water, two feet of water to four feet of water. I've got a good early spring trolling technique that I like to do and I told him if he gets a big fish on you know rod tip straight down and uh, we start trolling and about two hours go in and I pull a sandwich out of my cooler and grab a soda and I'm eating and then he looks at me and he's like did you grab my cooler and I said no I said where is it he goes in the back seat of the truck so He's like, that's okay, we'll just, you know, we'll wait, you know, we'll get something to eat afterwards. So we're trolling, about a half hour goes by, and one of the middle lines just just goes screaming off. And uh, we're in about two to three feet of water, and I told him that that fish jumps the rod straight up, straight down, and that's it. And sure enough, we get about a 53, 54-inch fish on, the whole fish jumps out of the water, and he's just says a couple F-bombs and he's like, this thing is huge. The fish jumps the second time and he takes the rod and turns it to his left and down and the fish jumped and he pulled the bait right out of the mouth. And, uh, frankly, he sat down in the boat, started crying, put his head, head down in between his legs and, uh, cried for about 10 minutes. And I said, what's the matter? He goes, I just lost the biggest fish of my life. And, uh, I said, yeah, I said, that was probably a fish we could have talked about for a month. You know, that was a really nice fish. So he, he he's had a bad day. He forgot his lunch. He forgot his tackle box. Now he's lost his biggest Wisconsin fish. So he finished off the day trolling. We ended up not catching anything else that day. And, and uh, we put the boat on the trailer, got in the truck. I've got about a half-hour ride home from the lake. And he decides to eat his lunch, and he's got one of those stuff that's about 14 inches long and I think a, uh, a big gulp cup of soda, and he eats that in there. We get just about home. I call my wife. I said, what do you want to do for dinner? She says, well, um, I'll make some lasagna or spaghetti and i uh, love some French bread with it. Why don't you stop at the grocery store on your way home? And I said, sure. So he stopped at the grocery store, which is literally probably a mile from the house. And, uh, after he ate his whole lunch, he decided to go in the grocery store. And that whole mile home, he ate a whole box of sweet cake rolls. So I'm like, this guy's gotta be full. He can't, he, he can't possibly eat anymore. We get home. The wife makes the spaghetti. He has three plates of spaghetti. And he has, uh, probably a half a loaf of french bread so that was our first night at the house and our first day of fishing the second day i said let's go to green bay let's get some you know let's get a big fish let's try to rejuvenate everything and uh, we go to green bay we fish for the whole day I-, I told him you know careful where you throw here and this is with his own tackle now so i was okay with it and i said there's rocks here you know Real, real fast when it hits the water I don't want you to lose bait it took about 6 or 7 $20 baits to figure out that hey I need to start reeling a little faster so he had another bad day on the water Um, we got to about halfway through our day and it starts raining I go and I put my raincoat on and I look over at him and I said are you going to put your raincoat on yeah there seems to be a problem with that. And I said, well, what's that? He goes, my raincoat's in my car and my car's at your house. And I'm like, okay, so what do you want to do? He goes, well, we can just call it a day. I'm like, okay, you drove eight hours, come over here, rain and out. We fished for about three and uh, you want to go in. So I'm like, all right. So we decided to go check out maybe a gentleman's club in the afternoon. And then and a holiday, I, I guess they were closed, So we, we had nothing to do but hang around and talk for the day. And my wife calls up and says, what do you want to do for supper? I said, let's go out to eat. So I asked him, I said, uh, where would you like to go out to eat? And he says, oh, I don't care, any place." So I picked a restaurant called the Puhat, which is Mongolian food. And we went inside. You can grab a bowl, put your ingredients in it, and then they've got sauces. And some of these sauces are very, very hot. And to top off the weekend, he put the hottest sauce possible on his bowl, took it up, they'll cook it for you. We went down to the table, he ate a whole bowl of the hottest sauce possible, about seven glasses of water, and three sodas, and the sweat was dripping off of his forehead. It was the funniest dinner I've ever had after driving And I looked at him and I said, are you okay? And he goes, oh yeah, I'm fine. I do this all the time. And me and my wife look at each other and you could tell he was in pain. He was just sweating profusely. It was absolutely just hilarious to see that.
0: Okay. I got a couple questions. Day one, when he didn't have a lunch, did you offer any food or did you just like, yeah, that sucks. And you take another bite of your sandwich?
2: Yeah, pretty much. I, I thought, you know, you gotta learn the hard way. I, I didn't You know, it was it was two mutual friends fishing. I didn't want to babysit them. Um, I thought, you know, let you know, you gotta learn the hard way. So I ate my lunch while he kind of watched.
0: Okay, now on day two, when he lost six or seven twenty dollar baits, did you at all say, "Let me see if I can get the boat closer so you can get them," or did you just turn the speed up and just? Pull until the line broke.
2: Well, a couple of them. I got closer. And we tried to get out, and a couple of them. I'm not going to take a forty thousand dollar boat and go up into the rocks with. So, you know, I said try to get it out, and I think a couple of them were operator air because they were twenty feet
0: up in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's a tough for a boat. Yep. And did did he did he know? that he was getting the hottest sauce on the end of day two? He
2: was, he was well aware of it. He said he likes it and he does it all the time, but I think it was a, uh, quite a surprise. I think it was a very hot sauce.
0: Okay. Based on how much food he ate the end of the first day and the dinner, his stomach could not have been in a, in a very pleasant place. I hope he didn't stay at your house after day two. Because you'd be uh, having to put up, you know, new paint on the walls.
2: I I actually hosted on my believe, for three or four days that year. That's
0: that that that's some food I would not eat. I would, I no, I wouldn't touch that stuff.
1: Andy,
2: you are well, a burger, a burger and a bun.
0: Can't go wrong. I would.
2: You wouldn't want to eat that before you go fishing because. Yeah, no, I don't. You want to keep running into the bathroom in the morning?
0: No, you you gotta you gotta play it safe, like Todd said. Burger and a bun, you're good.
2: Yeah. A lot of crazy stuff
1: happens after you Mitchell. Yeah, I I
2: <laughs> lose a hundred bucks a day. Days I guide, I I try to wait till you know almost eleven o'clock in the morning before I have anything to eat or drink, so we can make it through the whole day.
0: That's a good plan. You sound like <sighs> sounds like but, me. Sounds like me. But you
2: know, it it makes for a, it makes for an entertaining weekend when you get that mixed in every
0: once in a while. It sounds like it. I mean, the, he had a roller coaster ride. He he didn't have tackle. He didn't have food. He lost a big fish. He got sad. Then he ate a whole bunch of food. Next day, loses baits gets rained on, and you guys went to a, uh, an establishment that was closed, so he was probably sad, and then he ate some really hot well, food. It, that probably is going to be a memory that isn't in the positive for him. He's going to be a little down about it. He,
2: he also didn't have any cash on him for the establishment we wanted to go to, and he asked my wife if she could stop at the ATM machine and get $300 in singles that day. And uh, he also, on top of it, had talked to his wife and got in a fight over the phone about something that had happened at home. So he didn't really have that much of an enjoyable weekend.
0: He asked your wife to get him money. Absolutely, and said he would pay her back. How did you She'll feel about her. that? Because I would have said, "You're, you're not. No, <laughs> no." <laughs> That's, uh, I, 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 that, that's something I, I didn't expect out of all that story.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
2: I I think what's doing the musty shows and, and that stuff. And, you know, a lot of us vendors, we're kind of crazy and, and that's because we musty fish, we're just wired differently. But, yeah. you know, even after, after the Musty shows, a lot of us vendors, we all go out, whether we go to a restaurant or bar or something, um. We've got a lot of good, funny stories off of that, too, and for me, one personally, I I love the Ohio Show because I've got a lot of friends in Kentucky and some in Pennsylvania, and I only see them for the Ohio Show for that weekend, and we can go out and have a really good time and misbehave and do stuff we normally can't do at home, so I guess as a whole community, um, it's about having fun.
0: Well, it sounds like that was a lot of fun with your buddy. Yeah. I, I, I like going to the shows because we can normally eat pizza at the hotel. <laughs> yes, sir. Yep, that too. Ah, nice. Well, we're going to end it on that story. And uh, Eric, you want to hit up your plugs again? Sure.
2: Um, Rubber Harry Tackle on Facebook, Eric Larson on Facebook. Our website www.rubberhairytackle.com.
0: Good deal. Uh, you guys probably know this. Fatty Z Muskie Products, FattyZMuskie.com, Fatty Z Musky Products on Facebook and Instagram. And Todd, it's up to you. Todd Young,
1: Money Creek Fishing Guide, MC Fishing Guys.com. That's the website. We're on Facebook. We, we do. Todd Young and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Fish with me, fish with band fish with Cher Christie on the rivers in Pennsylvania. Neat little trip.
0: Give Todd a call. Um, St. Croix Rods.
1: The St. Croix Rods.
0: Best on earth. And uh, yeah, until next time, guys uh, and girls, uh, good luck fishing and thanks for listening.